Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, January 28th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining us today. Now, whether you are a regular listener to Invest Talk, which I know we have plenty of those, or new to the program, we have a serious objective here, and the objective is to help you achieve financial freedom. When you think about it, financial freedom is defined by each person as the way they see fit, right? Financial freedom is different to each and every one of us, including myself. Ultimately, we all are working hard to get to the point where we don't have to work so hard, right? We get to do whatever we want to do, and typically, that means making some money, but maybe doing a, a different task uh, and maybe doing it less often uh, and in the place that you want to do it, right? Because you have the financial freedom to do so. So you want to be in your comfort zone, a place where you are assured that your economic circumstances are stable and well-funded, right? That is financial freedom. Now today, in this hour, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my best to help you get there one step at a time, and that's really what it is. It's one step at a time. There's nothing that's going to change your financial future overnight. We're all looking for that. Everyone's looking for that. But it's just not realistic. Right? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You've heard that time after time, and guess what? There's a reason why it is a saying. is because so many people have been burned by the get-rich-quick schemes. Now, you can make good investments, earn 20, 30, 40% in a short period of time, but that comes typically with high risk, and if you're always shooting for that, you're probably going to shoot yourself in the foot more often than not. So we are here to help you build momentum towards that financial freedom goal, no matter where you are. You might be at the beginning, you might be in your 20s and, and still saving, you might be in your 60s or 70s in retirement, and you're looking to grow your nest egg, right? Get income consistently from your investments and sustain yourself in retirement. And you might be in between having a nice full job, a family, and just trying to build that savings towards retirement as well. So we have listeners of all different colors uh, in their life, and we want to help all of you. So ultimately, it's up to you to bring your topics to us, your finance and investing questions. Our anytime listener line is open now, and I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. So get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, Netflix came out uh, with earnings, I uh, was it last week? Uh, they're still burning a bunch of cash, but... Uh, Subscription continues to grow because subscription growth continues to increase. Even though they're uh, burning a ton of money, spending a bunch of money on new f films, they're doing it in a different way. And frankly, 
a way that's a little bit cheaper than, or a lot cheaper than your typical studio, right? It used to be you spend a couple hundred million dollars on production of a movie, and then you go out there and market the hell out of it, right? With TV ads and online ads, and you get people excited about the movie to go out and see it, and that's typically how they used to market it. Now, while they're still spending tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on producing films, it's going straight into their service and keeping people hooked. Now, is this strategy going to work long term? I don't think it will. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of competitors coming on board. You already know Apple is prepping one, uh, Disney, uh, Sony, uh, Viacom, Fox, all of these companies are using their portfolio of assets to build streaming competitors. And I think Netflix is going to find a strong fight with those competitors uh, as of late. I think, or in the next two to three years, and I think their recent rise in cost, they just raised their prices. I think that's going to open a big audience for other alternatives. People are going to start to say, am I going to pay $15 a month or whatever, $13, $14, $15 a month for Netflix when I can go get Apple's option for $10 a month, right? Or Disney's, etc. So I think that'll be interesting to watch how that evolves, but definitely not something that I'm a big fan of their strategy. Anyway, higher taxes are causing businesses and middle-class earners to leave high-tax states in large numbers. One example is that U-Haul trucks to transport belongings from California cost much more than going into California. States like Illinois, New York, New Jersey, California, they all have high unfunded liabilities, ever-increasing tax burdens, and many are fleeing those states to other states that maybe don't have income tax or just a lower cost of living. So that's a, that's a big trend that's happening in our country. And I think that's only going to perpetuate itself because I don't think the, the leaders of those states are going to reverse the laws and the rules that have caused increasing budget deficits, caused increasing taxes. I don't think that trend is reversing anytime soon unless there's some sort of panic. Uh, and so I think that will only continue. And then lastly, NVIDIA took a sharp dive today. They did an earnings pre-announcement. They lowered their revenue guidance due to slowdown in China and their gaming chips aren't selling very well as well. And then Intel last week had their earnings, which were lower than expected. It wasn't as catastrophic as India, or not India, NVIDIA. But this just shows that the chip sector in general, which tends to lead the tech sector, which I've been talking about isn't a great place to be right now, is rolling over. A lot of that has to do with China, but it's just the, the slowing economy globally. So those are kind of the main things on the docket today, main things that uh, push the market or are pushing our, our economies as a whole. And I want to talk about all of those things and much, much more. And as you can tell, there's a lot of market news to talk about today. So I want to know what is on your mind. But first, let's grab a question from our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. I am looking to really begin investing, and I already have a small amount in an app called Stash. I have about 
$5,000 and I was looking to get into something, like I said, I'm 25, so I understand I can probably take a little more risk than others could, but I just wanted, I guess, your advice on where to begin. Thanks so much, and I'll listen on the podcast. Well, to begin is you want to be focusing on savings, and I'm not too familiar with the Stash app, but... It probably is another robo-advisoring service. Uh, maybe it makes it easier or more automated way to save. That would probably be the best way to go. It is find ways to make your savings automatic. And that is why for the vast majority of people, their savings is concentrated in 401ks. Why? Because that's an automatic contribution every single couple weeks right and if you can replicate that into other types of accounts that you automatically save in it's going to put you a long way it's going to get you a long way then you need to understand that investing is not a game that like i said at the top of the show where you're going to just get rich overnight okay it's a constant plotting of you know, nice solid returns year after year, protecting your your, your gains when you have big gains, uh, and ultimately making good sound risk versus reward decisions. That's what investing is really about: sound risk versus reward decisions. And you need to focus on learning what that looks like by educating yourself about how companies work, how different asset classes work, how different sectors of the market and companies in the market act within different economic cycles and different backdrops of where interest rates are going, where the dollar's going, etc. And that can help you make more better specific trades and investment decisions that are going to pay off in the both near term and long term. Uh, so read, read, read. I can't stress it enough. Read as much as you possibly can until you feel very comfortable making decisions before you put money to work. And I know robo-advisors are going to put you into some sort of index fund. And uh, I talked to a potential client today about this, about the, the parallels with the Nifty 50 and how everyone's just crowded into index funds. So understand the risks that are involved there. Understand that just because it's an index fund doesn't mean it's low risk. It's not. In fact, it's a high risk. I think almost every index fund when it comes to equities that are equity index funds are going to be high risk. And if you aren't understanding that, then you're perpetuating the indexing problem because when, when the next recession comes, when the, the next bear market comes, then that's likely going to, uh, you're going to be caught up in that. So just work on being educated and saving first before you start making big decisions. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I want to thank you for making this program a part of your routine. Steve and I do our best to make it interesting and instructive for you. And whenever you have an investment question, I encourage you to listen to our archive podcast and invite you to explore investtalk.com. Or give us a call. I'm taking your questions live right now at 888-99-CHART. Welcome to the last week of January. The market continues to show ups and downs, and you want unbiased investing advice. 
Justin's here. He's taking your questions live. So you can call Invest Talk now. 888-99-CHART. Now, our main talking point today is about how the CEO of UPS says that the U.S. economy is not slowing down. And America is showing resilience despite headwinds around the globe, including contraction in China. And so we'll look at that story. Obviously, UPS and, and FedEx, they have a pulse on the American consumer and businesses because they ship the products uh, that we buy. And that'll be interesting uh, to see what he's saying as of, let's see, what's the date on this? January 22nd, so uh, early last week. Also, I have some other topics as well. What is an index? I just talked about index funds, how everyone's crowded into a trade. Uh, did you know that there are now 3.7 million indexes? Million, yes. I said it. I That's, that's the facts. There are 3.7 million indexes that have been created. And we're going to talk about what those look like, those different shades of what an index is, uh, and why that's important. Also, NVIDIA had poor earnings. Uh, it's downgraded its expectations for the coming year on the back of China and slower sales from uh, their graphics processors. And this comes on the back of Intel. And so I'm going to talk about what this means for the chip sector as well as the tech sector as a whole because who buys chip stocks? Who invests uh, in chip technology? right? Who buys those stocks? You're thinking it's the consumer, but in often it's not. It's the businesses within the tech industry. So we're going to talk about that. And then lastly, umbrella, um, sorry, um, umbrella, umbrella insurance. Talk about that occasionally when you get new insurance. What is it and how much do you need? So we're going to talk about that coming up on today's show. But this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And I invite you to check out our new online training experience. It's called Invest Talk Academy. Steve and I are dedicated to making Invest Talk Academy a valuable learning tool for serious investors. And you can learn more about it at investtalkacademy.com. Now I'm ready to take your questions at 888 99Chart. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon. My name is Sarah, and I'm uh, interested in United Healthcare what you think about that. Our investment club is looking to buy it, and uh, we would like your opinion on it. Thank you very much. All right, this is United Healthcare. They're about a $255 billion market cap company. They have a 25 
billion, sorry, 35, no, is that 20? Yeah, 25 billion dollars or so in net debt on their balance sheet. So not a huge amount considering the amount of revenue that they bring in, uh, the free cash flow that they bring in, and they pay a nice 1.3% dividend, not that big, but their payout ratio is modest in compared to that payout. So it's a sustainable dividend. Here's my biggest risk with any healthcare company, healthcare, health insurer, is the industry as a whole. Uh, Obamacare was written by the insurance companies to increase spending. Uh, within the healthcare industry, which allows them to uh, increase their revenue uh, because their profits are limited by the legislation. So what do they need to do? They need revenues to increase because their profits stay the same as a percentage-wise, but net uh, dollar amount continues to increase. So it's a system that's involved in a medical system here in the United States that is just not sustainable long-term. It needs to change. Now, I don't have the exact answer, but every metric out there shows how poorly our medical system is ran compared to almost every developed country in, in the world. So this will eventually change. So long term, I'm not a fan of these health insurers because the disruption and uncertainty that is down the line. Think of the unfunded liabilities that we have with baby boomers retiring. And it's just simply a system that is unsustainable long term. So that is why I look at these names with a very... Eh, attitude because I just don't like that risk because it's so obvious that it's it's ripe for a, a rethink or a disruption that is likely going to not include these insurance companies who have really caused the system to just get worse uh, for the average citizen. Now, is it better for the, the poor, the sick, the, the people who are hard to insure? Sure. But for the average person, it's made it a lot worse and that will eventually break the system. Uh, their enterprise value to EBITDA is 14, which is you know not low, but not crazy high either. Revenues are up 12% year over year. Earnings are expected to grow 14% next year, 14% the year after. Uh, and they're one of the largest there in, in the industry. So as long as the industry can, continues on this momentum, uh, with this momentum, then it's going to do fine. It's not crazy undervalued. Uh, it's going to continue to grow because the the cost of insurance or cost of healthcare is going to continue to grow because the incentives within the healthcare industry are incentivized for prices to go up. This is why this is a bad system. But they're within it now and they're profiting a lot from it now. And as long as that ha stays in 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 uh, momentum, that momentum continues, they'll do fine. But I just don't love it long term because I think the system needs to be reworked, and United Health will be a, a uh, will not be a beneficiary of whatever change happens in the healthcare system. Now, our main talking point today is the CEO of UPS says the U.S. economy is now slowing is not slowing down is not slowing down. Excuse me. Uh, what he says is that he thinks that we have to be very careful. But he thinks sometimes people can start to build bad news on top of bad news, meaning the psyche of people builds on itself, okay, and people stop spending. But he said holiday retail sales 
showed a reasonably strong economy and said that based on the estimates increased 5.6%, which to him doesn't sound like a slowdown, okay? Uh, which is a good thing, right? One of the largest, with well, the CEO of the, one of the largest shipping companies in the world, and especially concentrated in the United States, doesn't see a big slowdown. Now, does that mean that he's right? No. I like to look at the charts. What are the charts telling me? Okay. Are the charts jiving with that sentiment from the CEO? Maybe he's just talking up his book. You always have to think of that as well. And I'm going to say the chart, which from a 52-week high back in early part of 2018, January, really the market high, it's never come close to that $135 number about a year ago today. Now we're at $102, $100 after the close today. And we never even came close. to 125 was the high uh, you know, late summer last year. And you just keep making lower highs and lower highs. So what this is telling me is that the CEOs don't have the same pulse as the market. The market's always going to be telling you where the economy is going. It's a much better barometer than what a CEO says. Now, is, is it, do you take it into account? Sure, but I don't buy it. The chart on UPS is telling me a different story than what the CEO story is. Now, tomorrow on Invest Talk, was the market fourth quarter volatility a passing scare? Reaction to a possible Fed mistake or the real thing? Investors remain on edge after big January comeback. That's story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I want to take your call now at 888-99-CHART. It may be hard to believe, but the average 401k investor misses out on over $5,000 per year in investment gains. Why? Well, poor timing and subpar investment choices. This is what the studies show us. This is the challenge of the typical 401k, and that's the whole reason for Active 401k. And that's why we have Active 401k. That's why we launched the program for our listeners and our clients, because it's very difficult to allocate a 401k account. These plans have limited choices. You've got to make the changes. Now, if you have a 401k account, this is a program that you should know about. It ranks your current options within your current employer's plan, and then all you do is log in and make the changes. We'll tell you what to buy, what percentages, and what funds. If you'd like to see more about it, just go to investtalk.com, investtalk.com, and click on the Investments tab from KPP Financial. And it may be just what you've needed. This is Invest Talk, the KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's go to Dean in Alameda. He's looking at FCX, Freeport MacMoran. You looking to buy it, sell it, give it away? What is it? <laughs> no, I don't want to give it away. 
Uh, I made some good money okay. on it a couple of years ago, and I've noticed that it's, I, I sold it and, and, and took my profits. But right now, I notice that it's really bouncing all over the place. It was down huge on on uh, Thursday and then up on Friday, down again today. Uh, any idea what's, what's going on with that? Is this, should I be looking to get into it again at this, at this level? That's a great question. Now, Freeport Mac ran for everyone else. They're engaged in the exploration development of copper, gold, and silver mines in Indonesia and North and South America. Yields about 1.9% on the dividend. P ratio is very low, but uh, revenue or earnings are expected to drop 58% this year. Uh, last quarter, earnings dropped 78% and revenue dropped 27%. So it's a very volatile name. The price of copper, which is their biggest uh, revenue driver, is going down. And have you ever heard of the term Dr. Copper? No. Okay, well, the, the term Dr. Copper is that copper is a, an indicator, one of the biggest indicators of the economic cycle and economic growth. If copper is rising, it means the demand for copper uh, is very high and because people are using it. It's used in so many things from building materials to copper wiring yeah. to so many. Uh, it's, it's one of the most widely used industrial metals. And uh, so the price of copper has been falling, and that is why you see copper or, or a Freeport MacMoran falling as well, earnings expectations falling, and while gold and silver are doing well, uh, it's not making up for the dragon copper. So because I continue to believe the economy is slowing and no uh, central bank has made a pivot strong enough to for me to say that is going to turn back up, uh, I would say no, I would not be buying Freeport MacMoran uh, because I think the, the downtrend is likely to continue. And we might even hit to the prices where we were in early 2016, which is the low single digits. Well, that's nice. That's where I got it last time. Well, I think uh, based on the chart, you know, the technicals, it's very likely could get there. Uh, the momentum continues to be on the downside. It was down 8.5% today uh, after um, a big, uh, I believe it was earnings. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, it did spike down uh, big. Actually, it wasn't today. I think it was Friday. But it just shows you that the market for copper is not that strong. And with gold breaking out, this is not a name I would be in. I'd rather be in a, a gold miner, a silver miner, than a copper miner at this time. Okay, good enough. Thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks for the call, Dean. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have 20 minutes left to get your call in. So if you're going to do it, try to do it, do it sooner rather than later. Now let's talk a little bit about indexing. You know, I've, I've, I don't want to say I've railed against indexing. I just think it's uh, a little bit overrated. Uh, it's gotten to be the standard when it comes to investing. Uh, and it's just crowded everyone into a particular trade that I've compared to the Nifty 50s of the 1960s. And you can go back and, and read about the history of that. But let's talk a little bit about what an index is and where we stand today. Now, the first index was created by Charles Dow, co-founder of the Dow Jones and Company. It was 11 stocks, which nine of them were railroad companies. Now, that index failed, but his second iteration, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, has persevered for a hundred and call it twelve. What's that? Twenty-three years, right? It was launched in 1896, 
And now, according to the Index Industry Association, there are now more than 3.7 million index indexes, sorry, indices. Now, the advent of the first index portfolio in the 1970s turned these as tar turned these into targets for active managers. Uh, Jack Bogle, who's the Vanguard founder, the one that died most recently, he came out with the first index mutual fund. Now, in the early days of indexing, it was tough to match the index because there were uh, a lot of expenses, trading costs, uh, co handling corporate M&A was, was difficult, rebalancing uh, based on uh, you had to pre-announce the changes to the index so people would front run the, the changes in the index, things like that. And it really was hard to match the overall index, right? Now, most recently... There's been uh, an active management bent to indexes and what you would call strategic beta ETF products or exchange traded products. And as of last year, there were 694 of these. And these are the smart beta ETFs, right? From the likes of Wisdom Tree and PowerShares, add some sort of criteria on top, which to me is just active investing. Now you're doing it in a more systematic way, in a very transparent way, which is good, but it's still active investing. And I would argue, in a way, indexes are still actively invested, right? Because things are dropped and added on a regular basis. So the best type of indexes, however, are the broadly are, are the are the measures that understand the market in broad terms, right? From large caps all the way to small caps not just focused on large cap names or 500 names. That's why I like VTI, like Vanguard Total Stock Market Index, it's going to go all over, right? It's going to be as broad as you possibly can. I mean, you can go the Wilshire 5000, that's about uh, almost as broad as you possibly can. But you want to go as broad as you can. But most people are in the S&P 500 index, which is concentrated in large cap names. And now the big question is, where do we go from here? And I think one way that we're going to change is rebalancing of the portfolios are going to be more periodic as opposed to daily, uh, maybe every five days or month. Because you want to, the biggest risk with these ETFs is to is the impact of panicked investors. So you could see on one particular day where the market moves down big, people sell and that pushes that that perpetuates the problem. And so I could easily see those trading intervals widened out. Now it might tr not track the index quite as much, but it's going to have a less of an impact on the names in the in index. Okay. Now, active management is still going to have its issues just from an arithmetic standpoint. The average fund will match the market before fees and lag it once fees have been accounted for. That's just the way it's always going to be. Now, you're going to have their subset of managers that I think are continually more and more ignored, but continue to outperform the indexes from a risk-adjusted basis. But the math is never going to change. 
So if you ever think active management is going to outperform the indexes, it's never going to happen. Because you're going to have poor managers and really good managers. And your job is, if you're going to use active management, find the best managers that are out there. And understand that there is a possibility and a good possibility that there's always going to be a subset of active managers that are going to do better than the indexes. But if you lump them in with the poor managers and you average it out, of course active management is going to underperform the indexes. And that will never change. So understand the positives and negatives of indexing, but also don't discount what can be great about active management, and you just got to find the best ones out there. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. And it's also available 24 7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com, or you can listen and subscribe at Invest Talk, or sorry, at iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk and spread the good word. And now the phone lines are open, and we're taking your finance and investing questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. Longtime listener. Love the show. Love everything you guys educate us about. I have a quick question on a stock I've been following and considering investing into Deer and Company. I believe the ticker symbol is DE. What do you think of its numbers and its future in that? Pays a dividend, looks to be a good value stock with some growth, too. It's been moving up, and now if the trade talks get better, it should have some more expansion overseas. Would this be something you guys would ever be interested in, or is it kind of a bad one to stay away from? Thanks for your help. Look forward to hearing your answers on the show. Well, first off, almost every company out there we would be interested in at some point, right? Every investment has its time where it's a very strong value. Now, the big question is, is deer a strong value today? Now, the yield about 2%. Revenues are up 17% last quarter year over year, but that's slowing from... Uh, 32% the quarter before, 29% the quarter before, and 23% the quarter before that. So uh, growth was accelerating from a revenue basis, and now it's decelerating. One thing I don't like there. Earnings, same thing. 
not quite the deceleration, but uh, you know, the four quarters ago, earnings are up 226% year over year. Last quarter, only up 46% year over year, which is nice. Earnings are supposed to grow 12, 22% this year, 12% next year. They do have a lot of debt, though. $50 billion market cap with an enterprise value of $90 billion, so $40 billion in net debt. Operating earnings yield is about 8%. Solid, but enterprise value to EBITDA is 15, 15. Not cheap in my estimation. Not crazy expensive, but definitely not cheap. Cash flow remains very strong. I like that. Uh, let's look at its profitability metrics. Return on equity 23%. I like that, but their return on assets only three and a half percent. And so that shows they have a lot of leverage on their balance sheet that is driving that strong return on equity. And I, I worry about that a little bit with return on invested capital, only 4.6%. So long-term, nah, not, not a great profitability metric uh, and certainly um, has, its, has its red flags there. Uh, what I don't like in general is just simply the chart has made a, a double top or, or a lower high actually from its high back in uh, early part of last year. And growth continues to slow. It's not cheap, high debt. I just don't love it. What I do like is that it is in the agricultural space. It obviously manufactures tractors, uh, cotton and sugarcane harvesters, sprayers, mowers, backhoe loaders, all types of equipment used in agriculture, which I do like the agriculture space. So I'm a little torn on this name. But what, I, what makes me say wait is the chart as well as the valuations. It's still not cheap enough for me to fall in love with it, especially with that, that debt level. Um, and it's payout ratio is not that high, but it's cash dividend payout ratio is negative, which shows that it's not producing enough revenue or sorry, profits in order to or cash flow to pay that dividend, uh, at least in the short term but they could write their ship. So uh, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag, and I don't like mixed bag in this in this environment. I want something that's relatively clear-cut, anti-cyclical, which this isn't, and so I would pass on Deer Company. But keep it on your watch list. It's a solid company, but it's just not at that level that gets me excited right now. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. We have 10 minutes left in the show, so give us a call ASAP if you are trying to get your question in. Let's talk a little bit about NVIDIA. NVIDIA and the chip stocks in general. And the big question is this, kind of the canary in the coal mine for the tech industry as a whole. I've talked about how chip stocks tend to lead both on the upside and the downside, the tech sector in general. And you had Intel come out with earnings last week that weren't terrible, but they certainly weren't exciting. Their company forecasts for relative flat revenue in 2019 and profit margins. So uh, basically no growth uh, after years of pretty strong growth. And now you see NVIDIA talk about computer server chip demand is falling uh, and that the big players are absorbing capacity, which tells me that the likes of Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Alibaba, Apple, they're not investing in data centers like they were in the past. And so they're absorbing the capacity, maybe trying to work, uh, use what they, they're, they're working with now and pulling back on capital spending. And it'll be very interesting to see when they do release earnings over the next few weeks, what they say about capital spending for 2019 because they're a huge driver uh, of the economy and capital spending in our economy, which is very, very important.
This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We're already into the last week of January with about 10 minutes remaining in the program. So I invite your calls and questions at 888 chart. Next Invest Talk. Was the market's fourth quarter volatility a passing scare, reaction to a possible Fed mistake, or the real thing? Investors remain on edge even after a big January comeback. That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888 99Chart. Let's go to Wendy in Chino Hills. She wants to talk about options, right, Wendy? Yes, I no, I just want to ask about the options. What happens, uh, like, if you buy an option, if you buy an option, and then when it uh, uh, like uh, expires, do you need to do anything before it expires? What happens if it expires at the time, like the afterwards? Is it expiring in the money or out of the money? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, uh, it, it reached like a cross the break even point. So I don't know that. I don't think I don't, that, know I don't think I don't think that answered the I don't think that answered the question. So every option has some sort of strike price, right, of the underlying stock. So if it's a call yeah. and it closes say it's the, the strike price is fifty dollars and it expires if it's the yeah. stock is above fifty dollars it's called in the money if mm -hmm. it is below okay. fifty dollars then it was it expired out of the money okay oh, so depending on whether it's in the money or out of the money then two mm -hmm. different things happen if it's out of the money then it, it expires the, the options worthless and nothing really happens mm -hmm. if it what expires in the money then if you are the buyer of the or you owner of the option then it's going to your mm -hmm. broker is probably going to trigger the option to buy it at $50 and now you're going to have the stock you're going to have to buy that oh, stock at okay. $50 for yeah now if you have sold the option then you're now going to be short the stock at $50 you're going to have to sell it at $50 a share Right, and now it's going to be worth more, and you're going to be losing money. But if it's a covered call, then it's just going to sell the uh, the the shares that you have in your portfolio. Are you looking to get into option trading, Wendy? No, I just uh, just saw an article the other day, so I want to understand what they are talking about. So it's just a. I know nothing about option, and I don't want to get into option anytime soon. I don't think I know anything yet. Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly a complex uh, area to be delving in. Uh, we have an option strategy, a covered call strategy, uh, that we think that works really well, uh, especially in this type of market. And it, it certainly is a great fit for uh, most people who have substantial capital. Um, and it can be a great tool. Options can be a great tool uh, to bring in more premium. And that's really what the best uh, use of options are. Some people trade options, they buy options, and you can make good money on buying options. 
But over time, typically, those that are selling options make the most money when it comes to uh, investing. So I hope that helps, uh, Wendy. I know it's a, a complex thing to, to understand, but it can be beneficial, but you really want to know what you're doing. Thanks for calling. 888.99 chart, 888.992.427. Let's talk quickly about umbrella insurance. It's also known as excess personal liability insurance. And what it does, it sits on top of your auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, any other type of insurance that uh, you might have. And if, dam if, if you get sued or there's an accident, the damages and then the damages go above the limits of those other policies, then the umbrella policy will take over. That's kind of how it works. Now, it, typically, in general, sold, it's sold in million-dollar increments, so you have a million-dollar umbrella policy, $2 million, and it costs anywhere from $150 to $350 a year per million dollars, depending on where you live, uh, etc. Now, most insurance policies or will only be sold if you also have your homeowners and auto policy with that same carrier. Okay, so understand that as well, and you need to have minimum caps on those things, like three hundred thousand for homeowners policy, two hundred fifty thousand, uh, or five hundred five hundred thousand per accident, things like that. And if you have teen drivers, elderly drivers on your policy, maybe you own a condo, you might be responsible for damages to other units, uh, maybe you own a swimming pool or a trampoline or a dog or a boat, things that could create big liabilities. That's typically when you're going to need umbrella policies. But I know Steve, he was in the insurance industry for a long time. He actually likes umbrella policies, especially if you have those type of risks. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program, and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Steve will be here tomorrow. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.